Amen. Let me read for you our text for this morning. One comes from Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then from Romans chapter 6, reflecting on the significance of Christ and what Christ has done for us, Paul writes these words. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means, or absolutely not. Uh, may it never be. It's a very strong negative. Um, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning, I want to speak with you, carry on our uh, tradition in these, this sermon series of speaking about different aspects of the worship service. So I'll talk with you for a moment about both uh, baptism and communion. These are occasional, that is, we don't celebrate them every time we worship together, but on occasion we'll have a baptism like we did last week and like we're having communion this week. Um, so we want to talk about that, the meaning of them, and I want to put them in the context of the big themes, the big picture, and the little picture, if you will, of what we hear in the New Testament about the work of God and God's faithfulness. But before we do that, let me begin with my own experience of baptism. I was baptized, immersed three times when I was in the third grade in the First Baptist Church of Ithaca, New York. Now, supposedly, this was to reflect uh, support of adult baptism. That is, baptism, you know what you're doing, and you come, and you are baptized, and you make your profession of faith, and so forth. Um, did I know what I was doing? Uh, well, that's questionable. Um, but the deacons who came from the church with their ties on and their suits on, uh, kind of ominous, actually. My brothers and I sat in the living room of our, the apartment that we were in, and they asked us questions. And we responded to those questions, and apparently they felt, and our folks felt, that we had answered enough and correctly, and so we were then permitted to be baptized in this way. Perhaps my folks thought my life was moving down a slippery slope of paganism, um, I'm not quite sure, but I do know that recently I had my mouth washed out with soap because I had said something to my brother 
um, that reflected on our family, uh, which was not really a thing that one should say. Um, and as we sat, some of you will remember this, as we sat in our living room uh, listening to Art Linkletter on the radio, okay, before television, I think, on the radio, um, I had said something that rhymed with Art Linkletter and uh, my brothers and I were giggling. Uh, my folks weren't. What they didn't know yet, what, but they would find out, is that in the next few days, I was going to be married. Um, I didn't know she was my girlfriend, but there was a girl in the third grade in my class, and she wanted to get married. And so, what was, what's a guy to do, really, you know? <laughs> So uh, Saturday morning, and I didn't want my family to know, but my brother, you know, he said, well, how come you're going down to the school? Because she lived near the school. And so finally I had to tell him. And so he came with me. And so um, she had on a white dress. Her mother actually performed the service. She had on a white dress. Um, <laughs> she, um, there was a cake, I remember. I don't remember rings. Uh, it's probably just as well. Um, but there I was getting married in the third grade um, in this girl's living room. I mean, really? <laughs> I don't know why that happened. Um, so maybe because uh, I was on a slippery slope and um, because of the depravity of my human nature, baptism was a corrective and my folks were hoping for something else. Now, I would say for those of us who have young children, uh, take the long view of them. Uh, maybe things will work out uh, <laughs> along the way. Uh, I'm a little more embarrassed about my uh, first communions, so I'm gonna leave that for another time. Um, but I do want to say that we all have this experience of being baptized and of taking communion. Now, we don't all have the, the memory of that, but for most of us, we have been through that process. And what I want you to see is how that, uh, the, these sacraments, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, fit in the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world today. Because I think they're not just isolated events. They're not just one-offs in that sense. These are critically important for us to understand and to express our faith in God's faithfulness of what God is doing in the world. A number of years ago, F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, a British scholar, wrote a book called uh, The New Testament Development of Old Testament Themes. And uh, he talked about a variety of things. He talked about the reign of God, the people of God, the victory of God, uh, the salvation of God, and different things, and then showed how those uh, began in God's, uh, with God's covenant people and wound their way through in the New Testament, either in uh, fulfillment or in uh, a way that paralleled what was taking place in the Old Testament. In a more recent book uh, by David De Silva, he wrote just New Testament themes. And he has four themes in this. Uh, they're they're uh, major themes. There are other themes in the New Testament, but he's picked these four as kind of symbolic of what the whole is about. So he has the favor of God, the way of God, the people of God, and the triumph of God. 
And what he means by that, I would say them a little bit differently. I, the, the primary thing that we have to remember about the Christian life is that grace is the first act of God. Whether it's in creation, whether it's in call, God always acts first. And God acts out of that grace to humankind. And so I would say uh, grace or divine favor is that which starts the process of our life of faith in God's faithfulness. Discipleship, which is uh, following the way of Christ. A disciple, a disciple is a learner, uh, one who is learning after the reality of Jesus Christ. And so that comes often next. Uh, then there is the people of God, the the people of God who are now the church, who are part of the new community that God has established, and then there's the triumph of God. I would call this hope, uh, eschatology. We could call it uh, apocalyptic eschatology if you want. But it really, it really centers on hope that God is in fact doing something and has done something that is going to be uh, to humanity's benefit. And this is not only the resurrection of Christ in the middle of history, but also uh, the resurrection and the judgment of God at the end of history. So the sacraments fit in that larger context. Now, I'll, I'll talk about one more context, but they fit in that larger context. We didn't earn our way into God's faithfulness. God was faithful, and we respond um, with uh, these signs, baptism and the sacrament of uh, communion. Um, we respond, but we respond to what God has already done. The primary aspect of this sacrament and of the sacrament of baptism is not my faith in God. It's my faith in God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness comes first, and we respond. We have to receive it. It's not something that we've earned. It's not something that we get because we're so good or so nice or that we're not on this slippery slope towards paganism or whatever. No, we respond to what God has already done. Now, you know that, but I just want to make sure that we understand that in relationship to the sacraments themselves. None of us remembers our birth. Uh, we, were, we were pretty young when we were born. None of us remembers our birth. And many of us don't remember our baptism. On the other hand, we remember our life. We remember our communion, the last time we took communion or the, where we went to school or the person that we talked to yesterday or maybe even the day before. We remember those things. And what we see here is that baptism is really about birth. It's about coming into this new relationship. It's about coming into the new covenant community. And, and communion is really about life. It is about sustenance. It is about that which will sustain us for the life that we have called, um, have, God has called us to live. The word sacrament itself doesn't appear in the New Testament, by the way. It's a Latin word. It means something like sacred oath. And there's a sense in which God has made a sacred oath to humanity to love humanity, to care for uh, humankind. And we also make a sacred oath in response in our faithfulness. So we go from the old to the new. We go from what has happened to what God is doing uh, in a new way. And it's a new worldview. Another way that, that Paul especially uh, reflects on this 
is in the little phrase nuni de. Uh, two words, nuni de in Greek. It means but now. But now something has happened. So listen to just to some of these that Paul reflects on. I won't read the, the first part, but the second part in Romans 3. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God is seen. In Romans 6, but now you have been freed from sin. But now you have been set free from the law. The law, by the way, is a school teacher. It's a school um, uh, person to lead us to Christ. Now that we have Christ, we are set free from the law. That's his argument there. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Uh, the, the death no longer holds him. But now, in Christ, you who have been far off, he's talking now about the Gentiles, about these Ephesians, but now you who have been far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So this is the new environment in which we live. And this is the environment where the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper make sense. Uh, they have meaning for us in this sense. God is doing something in both baptism and communion that we can't do, but God has offered that to us to enter into life in a new way. Now, in our tradition, we, we take one strand of the New Testament teaching on baptism and talk about baptism as um, a, new, a new reality uh, as opposed to circumcision, okay? In circumcision, a boy, eight days old, uh, was circumcised and became part of that community, became different than the surrounding cultures. And so there was a different ethic, there was a different diet, there was a different history, there was a different personal um, familiarity with the, with the community that, excuse me, that that person was part of. This is the new covenant. And so that person came into a different environment. Even though everything might look the same, that person was in a new environment. Baptism does that same kind of thing. The parents did it for the young boy. Parents often do it for young children as they come into and are part of the new uh, community. A new life, a new kind of life, a different kind of life, a different kind of ethic, all of that is going to happen. Listen to uh, Daniel Migliori's words on this. Uh, he says, he's talking about baptism um, in this uh, particular chapter. Christian baptism is the sacrament of initiation into the life of Christ. Okay, so just like circumcision was an initiation, in a sense, into the life of the Jewish people, so baptism is an initiation into the life of Christ. It marks the beginning of the journey of faith and discipleship that lasts throughout one's life. Um, that's what we are affirming in baptism. That this sacrament is the beginning of the incorporation of a person into a new way of life. Now, we make a promise. Last week, we made a promise to a young child and, and her parents that we would help raise that child in an understanding of the Christian faith, in an understanding of what it meant to be a disciple. And I would just ask, how many of you have done that? How many of us have done that? Have we participated with Rosemary or with David or maybe even with uh, Kathy in terms of uh, university students? 
helping people understand the significance of this new life that they have been incorporated into. By the way, if we do that and when we do that, we're the ones that are blessed. We may bless others, they may see our faith, they may hear our words, but we really are blessed. And I would encourage you, that's a promise that we've made. Let's keep that promise because it is so critically important to help people understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In the Romans passage, we see that there is a death to the old and a rising to the new. This is a new identity. And so if you have been baptized as a child, you have this new identity and you are part of this new covenant community. And then at confirmation, which is what we do when the, usually in middle school, maybe a little bit later, in confirmation, uh, the children affirm uh, their faith uh, in the living God. What else happens in baptism is that it's no longer uh, young boys, it's anybody. It's boys and girls, it's men and women, it's people who want to be part of the new community and be incorporated into it. All are equally accepted by God. Because why? It's not based on our faith. It's based on the faithfulness of God. And God promises to be faithful. Communion. Communion is a bit different. Communion is what we see uh, here in front of us, but what we need for daily sustenance as we live our life of faith. Communion is a reminder to us. It's a memory uh, that we have, but it is also a statement about what God has done in Jesus Christ. And we see it and we accept it um, each week that we uh, participate in communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, however you would um, however you would uh, say that. It's all, uh, the Eucharist is the Thanksgiving, the Lord's Supper um, and communion uh, are celebrated uh, with those different words. Let me, let me just read this again from Migliori. If baptism is the sacrament of the foundation of the Christian life in God's grace, notice here God's grace, the Lord's Supper is the sacrament of the sustaining of the Christian life by the same grace. If baptism is the sacrament of the beginning of the Christian life, the Lord's Supper is the sacrament of the growth and nourishment in the Christian life. If baptism marks the gift of God's love in Jesus Christ that welcomes us into God's body by the power of the Spirit, the Lord's Supper marks the triune God's ever new sharing of life and love that draws us more deeply into communion with God, with each other, and for service in the world. So, Here's how I would talk about these two different sacraments. Baptism is the birth. It's the beginning point. It's that place where we put our faith in the faithfulness of God or our parents do so on our behalf with the, with the reality that we are coming into a new community, into a new orientation, into a new identity as the people of God. And communion is that which sustains us for that life of faith. Now, I, I wonder if the analogy that we use often for biblical hermeneutics, for, for the uh, interpretation of Scripture, 
doesn't help us with what communion is. We, we use the term, the text, uh, a mirror and a window, right? You're familiar with that. We've, we've talked about that numerous times. What if communion, based on the text, what if communion is really the place where we look through a window? And we look through the window and see what God has done in Christ. We see the cross. We see the love of God. We see what God is doing in the world today. And we realize that something significant has happened uh, that God has brought to us and to the world. This is not our making. This is something that, um, that reflects God's very um, person. But what if it's also a mirror? What if as we come to communion, that is a mirror for us? And the question is, what is our life like? Are we being formed after the likeness of Christ? Luke has the whole travel narrative of trying to form people after the likeness of Christ. Mark in the center section is on steroids and has this idea that we are exactly do, supposed to do what God is doing in Jesus Christ. That is the suffering and the death and the, and the living for others and the self-sacrifice. That's our life as well. And so we have this image. Not only do we look through the window and see Christ's work on the cross, but we also see a mirror and ask the question in self-reflection, is that also my life? Is that also how I am living? Is that also what people see as they see me? Not pointing to me, but pointing to the faithfulness of Christ. So what we have here um, is we become parts of an organic whole. We become parts of the people of God. We become part of the new covenant community. And what that means, and I think this is maybe the most difficult part for this for us, what that means is that the person that you're sitting next to or in front of or behind or across the aisle from is your brother and sister. You didn't have any choice in it. Now that is not something to be uh, disparaging about. That is God's gift to you. That is God's gift. That person is the gift of God to you and to me. What a privilege. Michelle said this at the beginning uh, of the opening welcome, but what a privilege that is to see each other that we would never otherwise know necessarily that aren't in our blood family have become intimate parts of our spiritual family. And we are blessed because of them. So communion or baptism, we begin our life of faith. We begin being incorporated uh, into this new reality that God is creating in the world today. And communion, we are being fed every time we come to communion to be able to live out that new relationship that God has called us into. We are sisters and brothers, siblings, living in a new orientation, just like that little eight-day-old boy was now going to live in a different environment than those around him. So we are living in a different environment. This is the kingdom of God. This is part, in, in part, this is the kingdom of God and the ethics of the kingdom and the, uh, the joy of the kingdom, and we get to experience it. We are sisters and brothers, siblings living in a new orientation in the community of followers of Jesus. We all may be a bit on a slippery slope um, 
as we reflect on our own life in light of Christ, in light of what Christ has done, in light of the gift of God. But let's come to the table, and we come to the table with the purpose of again seeing through the window what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and looking in a mirror and asking the self-reflective questions about how we are living in light of this new reality.